Hello, everyone, and welcome to another installment of Podcast 360, your go-to resource for medical news and clinical updates. I'm your moderator, Jessica Bard, with Consultant 360, a multidisciplinary medical information network. Researchers estimate that more than half a million people in the United States have Crohn's disease, according to the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. Dr. Bo Shen is here to speak with us today about his session at ACG 2022 titled State-of-the-Art Lecture, Role of Endoscopy in the Management of IBD. Dr. Shen is a professor of medicine and surgical sciences at Columbia University and the director of the IBD and Interventional IBD programs at Columbia University and New York Presbyterian Hospital in New York, New York. Thank you for joining us today. Can you please provide us with an overview of your session? Hello, thank you, Jessica, for having me. Interventional IBD, i.e. is endoscopic management of IBD-associated complications and IBD surgery-associated complications. So the endoscopy play a great growing role in between the medical therapy and the surgical therapy. As we know, the traditional therapy has been medical therapy, and in the surgical therapy for IBD. But however, when you mechanical complication develop, such as anastomotic structure or disease associated structure, anastomotic leak, chronic or acute, abscess, fistula, and the rule of the medical therapy is limited. In contrast, surgical therapy, what we provide a more definitive therapy for these structural complications the issue, it is a post-operative disease recurrence, as well as a post-operative surgery-associated complication that included anastomotic leak and structure. So our goal of the endoscopy, it is provided more definitive therapy for this structural complication than medical therapy, and at the meantime, provide less invasive therapy for, for this patient than surgery. So they're the, all... Goal it is tried to minimize the risk for the patient to have the surgery or recurrent surgery. So that's an endoscopy play and the bridging rule. So what is the role and the principle of endoscopy in the management of IBD? So the important one actually when we uh, place any endoscopy and it's important important is that you uh, need to master the principle indication contraindication and then you need to master your technical skill. And then also you need a proper interventional the team with consists of the techs and anesthesiologist and a nurse and the team. And then the important one, the principle would be that all the patient before intervention, you should know the anatomy well, especially post-surgical anatomy. You need to read the, the uh, previous operative report, endoscopy report, read the imaging and the patient all patient undergoing for interventional IBD procedure should have the, some cross-sectional imaging or contrast imaging for sure. And the patient should be uh, stay away or hold a minimal dose of this corticosteroid. A patient should be avoid the, uh, any uh, antiplatelet agent or anticoagulation. And then need a very important, need have the perfect bowel preparation. When you perform the endoscopy, it's a, you always should have the surgical backup. Make sure your surgeon is a, a proximity and then nearby, just in case there's a perforation, there's a severe bleeding, you have a surgical backup. So we want to do the, the, this interventional procedure at the late uh, afternoon or Friday or the weekend. 
try to do this procedure in a more elective way. Try to do the urgent base because urgent base people, the patient may have the normally has a, a poor bowel prep. I think it's an important one. Emphasize number one is understand the principle. Number two, master technique, and number three, get the proper team and the proper equipment and supplies. How do you position the therapy? We know that there are two arms: the medical therapy and surgical therapy. What is the role of endoscopy? So the role of endoscopy is like a bridging rule. So again, it is the medical therapy. When you disease adjusted diagnosis, I can use the example for Crohn's disease. Your medical therapy played a major role in the first three to five years when the disease predominant inflammatory, then medicine played a major role. The after three to five years, regardless of the disease, the controlled or not controlled, and it quite often run the relapse remission process, scarred tissue buildup, then mechanical complication um, develop. Then that time, you, when you have the mechanical complications, you have the two choices, surgical therapy and endoscopic therapy. Before you send in the patient for surgery, I think the most patients should undergo some endoscopic evaluation to see if they are amenable to have the endoscopic therapy. For example, if the structure is short, less than four to five centimeters, single straight structure without associated abscess and fistula, you can do the uh, treat endoscopically. But if the long structure, multiple structure, complicated the structure associated with the abscess the fistula, this will be, can be detected by pre-procedural pre imaging. Then you directly send for surgery. After surgery, those patients should have the closely monitored for post-surgical complications and the post-surgical recurrence by endoscopy. And we can treat the, say, post-surgical anastomotic leak, anastomotic um, the bleeding, and anastomotic structure properly by the endoscopy intervention. So talk to us about the training and the credentialing. We know credentialing is challenging. Yes. So this is the, uh, the gap in terms of the training. Because actually, the, in, the, in the most settings, uh, the practice pattern uh, United States and the worldwide, people, the IBD specialist has uh, some exposure for interventional endoscopy, not much. On the other hand, advanced endoscopist has not much of the background of it in terms of the knowledge and the disease course and then in terms of the IBD. So this gives the liver that a gap and a hope to feel, feel, to feel. So we ideally, we trained, trained the IBD specialist to do more advanced endoscopy, or we trained advanced endoscopy and then uh, loaded with the uh, IBD knowledge. So you can in the both way. Now we started doing that actually the all group and then with a couple of the others established called a special interest group within the ASGE called a special interest group in interventional IBD established, I believe it's 2019, 2020, I was a funding, funding chair. And then how do we do the training? Some of the, uh, the training program are interventional IBD fellowship program buried into or incorporated into the regular advanced IBD fellowship or regular advanced endoscopy fellowship. But in the future, we plan to have the own isolated and independent interventional IBD. There's some animal lab that is um, established in the this, uh, in United States and then Europe to use, uh, use animal model for the training. And then regarding the, the coding, we have no problem that is the coding for the, the endoscopic balloon dilatation of the structure. 
but if the people to try to do endoscopic, say electroincision with a structurotomy, structuroplasty, sinusotomy, fistulotomy, you may think about doing the unlisted code if they if it allowed. And this can be challenge. And we also work in a society. And then all we established a group called a Global Interventional IBD Group. We published a couple of the consensus guidelines in Lancet gastroenterology and hepatology in terms of like the standardized term, terminology, outcome measurement, standard technique, and then also standard, especially coined the term, for example, endoscopic structurotomy, endoscopic structuroplasty, and endoscopic sinusotomy. And can you can freely use this term for your future publication, for your uh, billing, and for your education purposes. How can you utilize endoscopy in your current practice? What is the indication? So I use endoscopy routinely when, when I uh, monitor uh, the disease activity of the uh, patient with IBD. So endoscopy provides uh, one of the most objective measurements or features to monitor disease activity. So then we went to the uh, endoscopy, when we get the informed consent, always the confirmed consent for the diagnostic, surveillance, and uh, therapeutic portion, just in case, Besides remove the polyps, we also mentioned if we see the uh, structure, we will remove the structure. If there happen to be a surgical leak, do you want me to uh, put the, uh, the clip there? You know, so they all got informed consent, the more complete, more general, and then and cover the more aspect. So that's then and then also the the I think that your in your practice and the most people I would notice that feel more and more comfortable to do in the endoscopic balloon dilatation when the low GI tract structure. Most gastroenterologists feel com very comfortable to the balloon dilatation for upper GI structure, like esophageal structure. I think you can carry the same mentality in the low GI structure. And then they started with the structure dilatation, then later on to learn how to, to do the structurotomy, fistulotomy, how do you um, remove the legged, um, is a colitis associated dysplasia or dysplasia or even neoplasia by endoscopy because of resection EMR or ESD. Thank you. Who is the ideal candidate for endoscopy? So the ideal patient would say people have the Crohn's disease and uh, has a after surgery, has a recurrence just immediately after surgery, one year, two years after surgery, and you found anastomotic structure. And if you have a side-to-side -side anastomosis and there's a structure which is one or two centimeters long and no uh, concurrent inflammation, the patient not on any blood thinner or antiplatelet agent, general, uh, generally and the nutrition condition is good. And then good bowel prep. And then when you do the scope and actually those patients maybe bowel is a little bit shorter than people without a surgery, then you have a straight scope and you can deliver the the various kind of the therapy that included balloon dilatation, structurotomy. Short structure is, a, is your best friend. Okay. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Shen. Is there anything else that you would like to add or anything else that you think that we missed? I think this for the general uh, GI audience or the inter uh, medicine audience in the surgical audience, even our patient community and the family, we need to raise the awareness and knowing that endoscopy is available for them. I can tell you every week we have a patient that this, uh, yesterday I saw a patient, so that only 28 years old already had the two surgery, same location, right? I think that just look at the history, secondary surgery, maybe 
make uh, can be avoided by the endoscopy therapy. Actually, now after second surgery, she had the same structure at the same location, very short. Nowadays, it's 2022, right? We have the advanced knowledge, we have advanced technique, and and good mentality. I think those patients can easily avoid a future surgery. Well, Dr. Chen, we hope that this podcast will do just that and raise awareness. So thank you for joining us today. Thank you, Jessica, for having me. Thank you.